0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. It's so good to see you all this morning. The last uh, week, uh, Pastor Aaron and myself, we were traveling and we were out of town. And uh, I know that bishop came in and, 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 and preached a mighty word. And uh, we, we had the opportunity to, to watch it and, and receive it uh, as well. And, and last Sunday I was uh, at, a, at another church ministering, uh, a friend of the ministry, uh, Pastor Don McCann, she's got a wonderful church in Davy. And so we were with her um, last Sunday while Bishop was here ministering. Uh, and then this morning uh, Pastor Aaron's not with us because we got news that my sister-in-law uh, gave birth to a wonderful baby boy. And uh, she was two weeks early. <laughs> and so uh, I booked her a flight so that she could get up there and be uh, with my sister-in-law, her sister. And, and so Pastor Aaron is doing her big sis duty right now and assisting and helping. And, and uh, probably getting all of her baby feels that she will not have Again, at least in our house. (laughs) So, um, enjoy it, babe, while you can these next couple of days. And while I say next couple of days, be praying for me. I have an interesting house dynamic right now. I have a fun house dynamic right now. Um. Yeah, I just have a blast with my children. I love my children. Um, I'll probably share a bunch of stories about them this morning if that's okay. They, they, are, they are a prize, and they are just, I, I love them so much. And my daughter is just, like, killing me in the best way with the things that she says and the things that she knows and the level of, Clarity in what she's speaking and how she's speaking it. I'm sitting here and I am like, "You're three and a half? Are you kidding me right now?" Um, but she's wonderful, and my boy is like, I mean, he's just growing so fast. Um, I caught him yesterday in our garage. By the way, we have um, we we shifted our garage into uh, like a home gym, and so we've got like Olympic uh, rings. Uh, like gymnastic rings, and I caught him yesterday doing pull-ups on the rings. I'm like, come on, brother, train you up in the way that you should go. And so he's, he's, he's a strong and mighty little man, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed, and it's, it's awesome. Uh, but real quick, before, before I, I, I get into the thought for uh, today, I wanted to take a moment and just celebrate uh, all of our teams and everybody that was out in the community yesterday in Parkland for Faith Fest. Uh, our worship team did an amazing job. I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. Um, it, Andrew came to me uh, and he said, our team always goes so hard. Like the energy level is at one level and then when our team goes, we take it up like not one more level, we take it up like 20 levels. And so I, I, it was awesome because I mean we just I, I hate to say it, but I think we really kind of own the moment for Jesus. And so I was so proud though of all of our teams. I think Pastor Jenny did a wonderful job leading that moment and and the and the band. And the front line and and everybody that came out for that, it it was awesome. And then, of course, the representation uh, uh, of the church body and the community and just being able to uh, to be out there and have have a wonderful presence, uh, it it was awesome. So grateful, thankful, and uh, and we had a wonderful day. And uh, here we are, though, now today, and uh, I'm equally as excited because at the conclusion of our time together, we're going to have our water baptisms. And um, it's easy to pick out who's getting baptized based upon the color shirt that you're wearing. Um, But I just got to tell you right now, what we're so excited and so proud. There's something about being water baptized, even if, if it's not your first time, which I say this, there's no rule in the Bible that says you can only be baptized once. I believe that water baptism marks different seasons of our life. And in certain seasons, the Lord does new things. And so water baptism is like renewing your vow. There's something beautiful in, in, in understanding that this life in Christ, it really is It's a marriage between the bride, which is the church, and the bridegroom, which is Jesus. And there's something when you come together in water baptism that it's almost as if it's, just, it's this expression of this holy union. And even though the inward decision is, yes, Jesus, I will follow you, the outward expression is like a beautiful engagement party. Or it's like a a vow renewal in which we're saying, Lord, I love this life that I get to do with you. And so today as we conclude the service, I'm going to ask you, church family, uh, if you can stay with us as we go outside and we do water baptisms. Because this is a family event. This is not just for those that are being water baptized. This is for everybody that we can be a part of this and celebrate this. And and I want to encourage you that when we celebrate, let's celebrate big. Let's celebrate loud. And let's let the world know what Jesus is doing. I said is doing. Because he is continuing to do a new thing in your life. Sorry that I'm pointing in this direction. Most of the blue shirts are over here. So I'm looking over this way. (laughs) But the Lord's doing a new thing in your life and we celebrate you. And in fact... Um, I, I, I do want to do something at the end of this service um, as, as we transition for water baptism. But before we conclude today, I want to make sure that we take a moment. I want to pray over everyone that's being water baptized today. And uh, we'll let the Lord lead that moment when we get there. Um, but, but I want to I do that. I believe that it's a beautiful season that the Lord is, is leading us to as a church, uh, as a family, uh, as the people of God. What an amazing season uh, that we're in. Get, by the way, it's October 1st today. Um, we are in the last quarter of this year, by the way. And uh, I want to encourage somebody, it's not the way that it starts, but it is going to be the way that it finishes. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to finish strong. Precious months left in this year, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to see more people saved. Lord, I want to see more families restored. Lord, I want to see more miracles and wonders and signs take place because I want the world to know the goodness of God, the love of God, the blessings of God, the strength of Jesus in this earth that is only causing the church to become stronger. And so we're in this last quarter right now, October 1st. Wow, can't believe it. Pumpkin spices everywhere. I'm going to need an anointing oil of pumpkin spice. (laughs) I love pumpkin spice. But that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) Oh, wow. The Lord is good. I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Mark. Uh, We're going to jump over to book of Mark chapter 10. Uh, We have been... August, September, and now we're October 1st. We've been about the last two months in a, a, a teaching that has peaked into different areas, but the, but, but the, but the overall uh, teaching has been titled Good Ground. And I'm not going to go back and reteach prior weeks, but, but what I want to look at this morning is i got a collection of thoughts that I need you to bear with me because i got to get them out. And I can't move forward until I I, I take these, these things that I know that the Lord's put in my heart and I communicate them. Um, because the idea of good ground first comes out of the book of Mark chapter 4. Don't turn there, stay at Mark 10. But book of Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives an illustration where he talks about sowing seed. And throughout the part of book of Mark through these different... Uh, different narratives that he gives. He talks of these parables he gives talking about the the, the seed. He's liking it to the idea of the word of God being sown. And he talks about the fact that when the seed is sown into good ground, now you can participate, say good ground. When, When the seed goes into good ground, it has the potential to grow good fruit or good harvest. And he goes on so much to say that 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 its ability is seen in three measures: that there is a 30, there's a 60, and there's a there's a hundredfold. And while he illustrates a 30 and a 60, I think it's safe to say that we've all concluded, and what the Lord is trying to draw our focus towards, is that we're really designed for a hundredfold. Now, you can translate hundredfold into whatever you want that to represent. But I want to tell you today that the hundredfold should be the living word produced at full capacity in your life. So it's easy to take hundredfold and and apply that, make that applicable to my purpose and my dream and my future and and all these things that we do, which is good. and, and, And I want a hundredfold in whatever capacity or whatever assignment it is that I have. But first and foremost, it's that the word of God planted in my heart, James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Get rid of all wickedness, all uncleanness, so that the implanted word of God can take root. The Lord wants the implanted word to take root. Now, you know the devil doesn't like that. The devil does not want you to have the word of God implanted in your heart. And that's why Jesus in Mark 4, he goes on and he talks about different types of grounds that cannot contain the seed the rocky soil there's no depth so it can't take root you've got the birds that come in and take the seed off the ground you have got you've got seed that's sown amongst the thorns that choke out the word but 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 when the word is sown into good ground good ground it produces some 30 60 and 100 fold well what would cause me to only get to 30 and 60 well James 1 gives us that answer is that wickedness and uncleanness and so then at the end of 21 going into verse 22 the writer James he says now be a doer of the word and not a hearer only well what am i doing what i'm doing is i'm making sure that the good ground of my heart can allow the implanted word every day to remain and take root so that i can have the hundredfold in my life are you following me with this this morning now, this isn't necessarily what I want to be teaching them, but I want to, I want to catch you up into the importance that, that it is the living word. It is Jesus. The Son of the living God, the one who we just sang, All Hail, King Jesus, is sitting in the seat of my heart. And that nothing takes precedent over it, that it is Jesus. Earlier this week, I was taking um, my kids to school. First story of my children, second story, actually, of my children. I was taking my children to school, and uh, as we were on our way uh, uh, going, going to school, uh, I, I started to lead the prayer in the vehicle as we do every morning. Now, we always start with the full armor of God. And then from there, we, we get into praying for the day, and we start, Lord, we thank you, you know, let, let us reflect you in all that we say, all that we do. Lord, give us your heart, give us your spirit. Let us, And I always have to have this caveat in there. Let us be well-behaved. Let us listen to our teachers. And let us reframe from doing anything that leads us into timeout. That clears my conscience that if I get an email or a phone call later, I can say, I prayed. (laughs) Yeah, but pastor, is there anything that you can do? What do you want me to do? I do what I'm supposed to do. I pray for my children. They're in your hands now. Do as you must. So I'm doing my typical prayer on the way into school. And my daughter... Say, she says, no, dad, I got this. Cool, I like that. So she starts to pray. And she, she's saying, Lord, thank you for our trip to Orlando. We had already gone to Orlando and came back. Don't know future trips, and I don't know. I pray for Orlando. I pray for my friend Justice. <laughs> I pray that brother leaves me alone. I mean, these are the prayers. But you ready for this? In Jesus, I pray that you come into my heart. <sighs> We're going to pull over to the side of the road for a moment. And of course, Pastor Aaron's not there, so I'm telling her the story. And she's like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, my daughter led herself to the Lord. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus, I pray. That you come into my heart. Jesus says to the disciples, don't rebuke the children. Let them come to me. There's something about a purity that when you come with this pure place in your heart. So the implanted word can take root. My prayer every day is Lord remain in the seat of my heart. Let nothing else take priority. Of my heart, let it be you, Jesus. So she says this prayer, and immediately I followed up with Now, Saya, you need to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. I will be kind to others, I will listen to my teachers. (laughs) So I got my last dibs of that prayer in at the very end. But it melted my heart when I heard her say, Jesus come into my heart. Now, yes, I'm her father and she's my daughter. She's three and a half. It's a cute story. But the purity, the power, my goodness, and intimacy. Have have we lost the intimacy with the Lord? Have we lost not the love for God but being in love with God? There's a romance that is involved in being in love with the Lord. And when I live a life that I'm in love with Jesus, then everything flows from it. Every good and perfect gift, it flows and comes from it. And I want to tell you this morning, because some of the things that I might talk about today might might make you think, That I'm coming from a place, help me with this, Lord, that I might be speaking differently than what we stand for in this house, but I believe you'll hear it with your heart. Those that have ears to hear will hear it. I made this statement on Wednesday night, and I stand by it, and I believe it to be true, is that God is a good God, God loves us, and God wants us blessed. Amen. God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to, 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 to walk in everything that he has promised for your life. Amen. But what I tend to find is that most people are chasing first the abundance before the one who gives the abundance. And so the way that it works is this, is Jesus says, I have come that you would have life and then have it more abundantly. Not abundant life came and then you will have me. And so we get it backwards because we, 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 we get in this mindset that I want the blessing so bad that I've fallen out of love with the blesser. And so I'm wrapped up with what I have and what I got and what I'm doing that I love you, God. But are you in love with God? You kidding me? The Lord spoke to my heart and he said, we're entering into a season that, Sean, get ready because we need to ready the bride of Christ. We need to get the bride ready. It's time that the church stop acting like we're on a bachelorette party, doing whatever we want the night before, because the coming hours are are at hand, and the Lord's not coming over for a hungover bride. He said, I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And spot or wrinkle is not me getting it together in the last minute. Matthew 25, there is a parable of ten virgins. Five were prepared and five were not. And I said, Lord, everything that's within me, I want to have a prepared heart because I want you to be in the seed of my heart. And if you're in the seed of my heart, everything will flow from it. Everything that you promised will flow from it. Everything that you've called me to do. Everything that you've assigned for my life and for my family. But be, before all of that, Lord, I want you. Jesus, I, 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 I cannot go into this day without you right here. Lord, remove everything that would cause me to fall short of the hundredfold that you said that I could have. In Mark's gospel, we have this this story here. And it's a story of the rich young ruler. And I want to take a couple of moments and I I just want to look at this passage. There's been a... A story that I've just been 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 sitting with for a couple of weeks now, and I've been asking the Lord, what 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 is it? What is what is it? I know this story. I've read this story. I understand the story. You got a young guy, and he he you know he's wealthy, and 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 his problem was is that you know uh, he 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 couldn't put aside his wealth, and and so consequently. Because he didn't make you the priority, he walked away and he was sorrowful. And, 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 that, and, that's, and that's a summation of, of what is going on in this. But there are things that are taking place behind the scenes that we need to see as to what's going on here. Because the Bible, it opens up in Mark 10, and he says this in verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running. Well, that looks good. That's real spiritual. One came running to Jesus. And he knelt down before him and he asked him, good teacher, what shall I do? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, now, can I give you some background context to this? The story of the rich young ruler is found in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. Now, in each depiction of this story... Not one time does it list that this individual is called the rich young ruler. But when you put Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, we extract that he was a rich young ruler. In the book of Matthew, we find out that he was young. In the book of Mark, we find out as he ran to Jesus that he was eager. In the book of Luke, we find out he's a ruler. And so when you put... All three together, we find out that he is a rich, young ruler. Now, here's the important thing that you need to see. Is that, what is he ruling? What does the rulership even mean? When you go back and you understand the context of this young man, it was that he had served and was a part of religious rulership. So he was one that understood the law. That's why Jesus says, as he continues on, and he says... I know you know the commandments. He didn't say, I hope that you follow the commandments. You should follow the commandments. Jesus says, I know you know the commandments because I know from which, where you came from. So we've got we to look at this and we got to see, here's a young guy who knew what it was to be in church. He knew what it was to be in the presence of God. He knew what it was, by the way, because he says, all these things I've done since my youth. All these things, as we go on and we find out, is not just the Ten Commandments. It goes beyond the Ten Commandments. It's everything that's involved in the Levitical law because he was a religious leader. Which means he knew what it was to get into the holies of holies and give sacrifice. He knew what it was to give tithe. He knew what it was to praise the Lord. He knew what it was to do all the things that we're supposed to do spiritually Come to the house of the Lord, worship Him, give. And these things we need to do, we should do. It's what the Bible instructs us to do if we want to walk in the blessings of the Lord. But one thing he failed short in, and it was simply this. Because he says, all these things I have done. He says, but there's one thing that you haven't. He says, take whatever. Somebody say whatever. He didn't say, take your money. He didn't say... Take this specific thing, that thing. He said whatever. Whatever occupies the space of your heart, you need to get rid of it. And I want to challenge you, I want to charge you as we're going into this last quarter of this year. If you want to see the greatest manifestation of the Lord in your life in the things that the Lord wants to do in your life and in your family, in our church, in our community, in every area of your life, you got to ask yourself, what is sitting in the seat of my heart? Is it Christ Jesus that is sitting in my heart? This young man, it says here, he comes to Jesus, he kneels down and he says, what shall I do? By the way, doing doesn't get you into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it's not by works of righteousness that we're saved. It's not by works of righteousness. Now, now we should do righteousful acts. We should have rightful living. We should do what's honorable before the Lord. But at the end of the day... We have to understand it is by grace we've been saved through faith it's our trust in him and anything that replaces trust anything that occupies the space of your heart will lead you away from the life that the Lord has for you I think it's funny here because he says he says what must I do to inherit eternal life you know there is only two places in the four gospels outside of Jesus speaking that Jesus is asked what must I do to inherit eternal life? Only two places in the whole Bible. One is a lawyer that asked Jesus this question. He says, Jesus, what is the great commandment? What is the greatest law? What is the most important law? What does Jesus reply with? He says, love the Lord with all your, hmm, wow, we're back to the heart again. All your soul, all your mind. And then he says, equally, love your, as your, So the greatest requirement is to allow the Lord to sit in the seat of your heart because you love him. And equally the same to love your neighbor next to you with him. Now I I was sharing this on, on Wednesday night. But the cross has two beams, one vertical and one horizontal. The vertical beam is a representation of us connected to heaven and earth. Heaven and earth, vertical beam horizontally, though, is us amongst one another. And you can't have a cross without two beams. You need to love the Lord God with all your heart, and equally the same, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And so really what this passage is beginning to unfold about this ruler is Jesus is charging him, how are you stewarding your life? See, I believe that God's love language is stewardship. But stewardship starts in your heart before it's in your hand. It goes from your heart to your hand to your house. And if I'm not a good steward of my heart, I don't care what I have in my hand. If I'm not a good steward of what's in my heart, my house is going to fall apart. I'm telling you this even as, as, as your pastor, that if my heart is not readied before the Lord, then I've missed it. I was having this conversation with with, with Ish backstage, and I was telling him, at what point is it too much? At what point do you break? At what point does everything else come a priority and I miss my own house? Because it's not enough for what I need to put on the table, but it's what I have to provide around the table in the company of my family, which is my first house, which let me help you out. Whether you serve or whether you're involved in any part of ministry, your first ministry is your house. It's your home. This morning I'm, I'm, I'm preparing and I'm reading through this passage and I'm getting my heart prepared for the day. And, and my daughter, she comes into the room, third story with her, probably the last one. She comes into the room, she sits next to me, and, 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 and I'm reading uh, this passage that I'm speaking from right now. And she stops me and she says, Daddy... Is the spirit in that book? Three and a half year old said that this morning. Is the spirit in that book? Now I could have easily said, yeah, baby, the spirit's in that book and and you know the holy spirit and you know and it's and, it, and it's good i got to get back to this you know why because people need to hear this message about the rich young ruler today this is this is the priority i got to i got to get my mind ready for what i need to communicate to the to the church and to the they need they really need this word and so if my angle was the desperation of making sure that this word went out and i didn't take care of her heart and what she was asking i missed it this is all for nothing and so i had to stop I chose to stop because in this moment, her heart is open. She's asking a question. I'm answering the question, following it up with, you probably don't even know what I'm saying right now, but I'm not speaking to your flesh, say I'm speaking to your spirit. I'm speaking to your heart right now. I'm speaking to the depths inside of you right now. Yes, the spirit is in this book. Yes, this book, it is Jesus, because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And I'm beginning to tell her that all things consist because of this. Babe, hold on to this with all of your heart. Yeah, but don't you I gotta, I got to preach a good message today. Because I got to get some amens and I need people to feel, whoo. I don't care about that stuff, guys. I love your amen. So let it be. I'm in agreement. That's great. But if that comes at the cost that my house is not in order... What's our priorities around here? So you got to understand that the language of the kingdom, the love language, it is stewardship. And stewardship starts with surrender. And the fruit of surrender is service. And the fruit of service is success. But if I am chasing success without service, then I'm not surrendered. It's not stewardship, it's lordship. It means I'm in control. I'm going to be in control and the Lord's not in control. Stewardship without Christ in the center is just you trying to lord over your life what you want to do. I ask you this question, is what you do consecrated to the Lord? Is what you do given over to the Lord? Because what you do, if it's consecrated to the Lord, it will come with conviction. You're convicted in your heart that come hell or high water, I'm not getting off of this thing because the Lord has made this the assignment for my life. And so what I do is given over to the Lord, even if it looks like all hell is breaking loose around me, there is a holy conviction inside of me that says, Lord, I trust you. This is where, 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 where persecution comes in. I'm not leaving the mark. I'm steadying myself. I'm remaining in position. I'm not allowing anything to get me out of position because what I do, it's consecrated to you. Whether people see it publicly or if it's just me in my closet crying tears privately, what I do, it is consecrated to you. And if there is no conviction in your consecration, then you're consecrated to yourself. And it's not conviction, it's consumption. Because you're consumed with what you want, what you should have, what you need. And so you walk around with a mindset of, I am in authority. By the way, serving is not about being in the seat of authority. Serving is surrendering, saying, Lord, what needs to be yielded in this moment? What needs to be yielded in this moment? And I know this is a hard message because I know it's, it's really hitting hearts right now. But what are we doing? I'm not in this thing to play spiritual games. I'm not into this thing just to get loud and have a good time. I'm in this thing to say, Lord, am I stewarding this life in you well? And if I... Am aiming to do that. Are you consistently in my heart, at the seat of my heart? Is what you do consecrated to the Lord? The rich young ruler, what he was doing wasn't consecrated to the Lord. Because he had no conviction. In the sense that he had all of these things... He was doing all the stuff he was supposed to do based upon what the the church or the, the law or religion said that he needed to do. But then Jesus begins to just get him. And he says, yeah, but you're missing one thing. And all of a sudden conviction hits his heart. The Bible says that he walked away with great sorrow. You know the thing that breaks my heart? If we can put this line of text on the screen. Verse 21 in verse 20, he says, and he answered him and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And in verse 21, then Jesus looking at him, loved him. There's only two places in the four gospels that I have found at this point. That Jesus out of his mouth specifically says, and I loved him. Now we know the Bible says, for God so loved the world he gave his only son. We know that Jesus loves us. But in his earthly ministry recorded in this book, there's only two places. And one of them is regarding John the beloved, his disciple. When John rests his head on his chest and he says, you're the one that is beloved. You're the one that I love. And the other one was the rich young ruler. The one who did everything that was supposed to be right on paper but had everything wrong in his heart because he didn't know how to steward his heart. And Jesus loved him. I'm not preaching a message on condemnation by any means, but I do want to preach this word with conviction because the Lord loves you. And here's the thing, the Lord did not walk away from the rich young ruler. It said the rich young ruler walked away from him. So lest you think that this message is, well, you know, the Lord, the Lord hasn't left you. He loves you. He loved him. But it said that he walked away because the seat of his heart was prioritized with the riches, with the treasure. Only two places in scripture, and this is one of them, that Jesus, he loved him. And I love this because then the disciples, oh, this is, a, this, by the way, is the, 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 ant, the, the other side of the coin, Because this passage isn't saying that you're not supposed to be blessed. This passage isn't saying that you shouldn't have riches and treasure and and promises and things that the Lord's placed in your heart. By all means, if the Lord's put it in your heart, go after it, achieve it, be it, but give glory to him in it and don't let it take glory away from him. But I love this. (laughs) The disciples said, well, then who in the world is able to get into the kingdom of God? Now, you got to actually understand this. He says... The disciples say, who can get into the kingdom? Which means all of the disciples were wealthy. Nobody asks a question like that if you're broke. Because if you're broke, you'd say, well, I've got nothing. I guess I'm getting in right away. But only people that have means and wealth and and, and riches are going to ask a question. Well, then who the heck can get into this thing? And Jesus knew, though, that his disciples outside of Judas. Sorry, Judas. You did it, not me. But his, 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 his disciples, when Jesus came to Peter, James, and John, he says, just leave your stuff and follow me. He didn't say, go sell your stuff like he did the rich young ruler. He said, leave your stuff because their hearts were one to follow him. Jesus finishes up this whole situation with the rich young ruler by simply saying, pick up your cross... And follow me, your cross, the place that that, that your flesh is crucified, the place that when life tries to tell you that this is how you need to be, this is how you need to live, this this is the means, this is the great things in life, the things that will pull you away from God, Jesus is saying you need to crucify that. You need to get that out of the way. Pick up your cross, follow me. So Peter, James, John, Jesus comes to them and says, leave this and I'll make you. I love that line of text in Matthew. He says, leave your nets and I'll make you a fisher of men. Mm. Leave your flesh and I'll make you into something great. Some of us were so worried about how am I going to make myself. Don't worry about how to make yourself great. Just leave that aside and follow him and he'll make you great. He'll make you into who he has called you to be. Who he's purposed you to be what he's assigned you to do. But the moment you start making it about you as the rich ruler was, I made it look at all these things that I've done. Look at all these things that I've accomplished. Who cares about that if your heart is not surrendered to him? And so I love this Jesus. He tells he tells the disciples and he says how hard it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. He brings this correction, and then Peter follows it up with, says, who can get into the kingdom? And then here's the line that I would just, I want you to just take one more peek at this in Mark 10. Verse 29, so Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold when now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and lands with persecutions and the age to come eternal life. But many who were first will be last and last will be first. He says in verse 30 that who shall receive a hundredfold in this time. So this is not this idea that I have to live my life empty, without, with nothing to get into the kingdom. It's about stewardship. Because he says, he says this, he goes, okay, here's your answer, Peter. Um, you need to get rid of all these things. Get rid of all these problems that are distracting you. Then when you follow me, I'm actually going to give you a hundredfold of those problems back. Y'all actually like see this? He tells the rich and ruler, take what you have, get rid of it, only to come back to Peter and say, I'm gonna give you all of it back. It has to do with stewardship. It's stewardship. Stewardship is God's love language. When he created Adam and Eve in the garden, it was about stewardship. They started in a garden, but the goal, the plan, the purpose was as they lived holy and right before the Lord, as they steward this life in Christ with God, that they would move from the garden, repopulating the entire earth, making a heaven on earth. Stewardship. Stewardship. God's plan started in the garden but was designed to manifest around the earth. Satan understood this and said, let me show Eve what she doesn't have. And if I can show her what she doesn't have, then I can get her out of the rhythm. Let me show you, Eve, what you don't have in your heart. God's all these great things, but you know what you don't have? And so he tricks her and deceives her eating this fruit, forfeiting what the original purpose and plan was. But the original plan was rooted in stewardship. This life in Christ, it's rooted in in stewardship. How am I living my life in my love for Christ? It's not just this way, it's also Horizontally. It's not just between me and the Lord. How am I living my life amongst others? Which brings me to my last thought for this morning with you. Because what you have, it matters. The gift, the call of what you have, it matters. Your worship is not just the two hours that we come together on Sunday or on Wednesday. Your worship is your life in what you do. Colossians says this, everything that you do, do it unto the Lord. So your work is worship to God. How you steward what God's given you is worship to him. And there's this idea that there's a line, it's almost like it it is separated sacred (laughs) from secular that has to be erased Because sacred should be in everything that we do, not just in the moments on our knees in this building. Sacred should be the way that I'm closing the business deal. Sacred should be in the way that I'm working with my hands on the job. Sacred should be in the way that I'm teaching children if I'm a school teacher. Sacred should be in every effort that I do. Because worship is expressing worth back to Jesus. And if Jesus is the center of my heart then what I'm doing in my stewardship is expressing worth back to him. And Jesus tells a rich young ruler, here's the problem. You need to take whatever you have. You define your whatever this morning, by the way. Whatever is occupying the seat of your heart, that's your whatever. If it's sin, you got to get it out. Whatever is occupying your heart. And he tells the rich young ruler, take what you have. You need to sell it. But he didn't just say sell it. He said give to the poor. Use what you have to reach your world with life. Use what you have to express my love and my goodness. And so I don't want you leaving from here saying, oh, pastor, you just, you know, you convicted our hearts to having a more intimate, loving relationship with God. But the way that you express your intimate, loving relationship with God is with those that are around you. Your heart, your hand, your house. Three levels, three areas in which God wants to move through your life. If he doesn't have your heart right, your house ain't going to be right. Move past your house, your neighborhood. Move past your house on your job. Move past your, your job. Everywhere that you go, am I expressing the love of Jesus in everything that I say and that I do? That's why I say, is what you're doing consecrated to the Lord? This this young man, he was so preoccupied. He was so engulfed in the things that he had. Which, by the way, anytime the Lord is not at the center of your heart and your aim is riches, there's probably some shady decisions that's gone into that along the way for you to get what you have. Because you can't say that I am wealthy if I'm morally not right, that I did it the right way. I'm just going to leave that right there. He convicts his heart and he says, you need to take what you have. You need to do what's right. Get your heart right. Get your heart steady. Get your heart ready. And he walked away with great sorrow. Lord, let us not be a church that walks away with great sorrow. Lord, let us be a church that our heart has you in its seat. Father, I know that this this message today is not soft, soft. But Lord, I'm not here to preach soft messages. God, I'm not not here to talk soft truths. Father, I'm here to speak the living word of God that would convict us to live a life steadfast before you. That in everything that we do, we do it unto you. That Lord, every seed that we sow into the good ground that you've assigned for our life, it is for your glory. It is for your gain. Father, let everything that we do be to glorify you. I close with this last parable as we get ready to dismiss this morning. In Luke 19, <laughs> the disciples are having this conversation and they're saying, Lord, your kingdom is coming. Um, what's up with us? And that time the disciples... Th- we're thinking that Jesus was getting ready to set up shop and that he was going to rule over all the earth in that one moment. And so if you remember earlier on in the scriptures that the disciples are lobbying who's going to sit at his right and at his left, that wasn't with sincerity of heart in the sense that, "Oh Lord, we just they're lobbying for position." <laughs> and so Jesus he breaks down this parable. It's a parable of the minus. A minus is 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 a pound of shekels, its worth is about sixty-five dollars. And it says that he 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 distributed to ten servants. And as he's breaking down this parable, he says that this ruler is gonna go away to get his kingdom while he's gone. Take this minus that you've been entrusted with, go and 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 be a good steward of it. That's the principle of it. He comes back and he starts questioning. These different servants, what did you do with what you had? And the first one says, oh, wow, I I was a good steward of it. I increased in it. And he says, now you are going to have rulership over 10 cities. You did what was right with little. So now I'm going to give you influence over much. Stewardship. I'm poking your heart right now. Because some of you might be sitting here and say, I've got nothing. No, you do. You have everything. If you have breath, you have purpose. Stewardship. How are you stewarding what God has given you? And what I find is that your trust is trained in the little. And when you're training yourself in the little, then the Lord will begin to bless you with much. And some of us, we're contending for blessings that we are not prepared to steward. And if the Lord released it, it wouldn't be a blessing. It would be a burden. And the Lord's not in the business to burden you and crush you. He's in the business to bless you and thrive through your life so that the world knows his goodness and his love. Stewardship. Influence. If you're faithful in the little, let me help you out. If you are saying, Lord, I need a job promotion and you didn't get it, and the person that you work with next to you got it, celebrate, praise them, thank them, and watch how God will begin to promote you. Because stewardship also requires honor. Honor is excellence in any environment that you step into. And if you begin to pull yourself away from doing excellence, then you're not bringing honor into an atmosphere and you're not being a good steward. I told you, I got a lot of things. I'm flushing it out right now. Lord, I just want to be a good steward of what you've given me. In these precious moments in these last hours as you are getting your church ready. Lord, I want to be a good steward of it because there will come a moment that I will stand before the Lord. And I will have to take an account and all that's within me. And I'm not up here claiming that I'm seeking perfection, but I'm saying, Lord, I'm seeking surrender. I want surrender so that I can be at the service of the king, not the service of myself. When I'm at service of the king, every good and perfect gift, it flows. The abundant life, it flows. Seek first the kingdom and then the righteousness and then all the things. There's a progression. Lord, steady my heart to my hand to my house. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.